the reason why I do this and the reason why it is important is number one, I got to, I got to re-educate hosts, right? I could stand here on my soapbox and I could talk about direct bookings. Um, and I could talk to the Joe public and you know, people would pay attention, but I'd only make a slight difference, right? If I can educate 1 million hosts, re-educate them on the power of direct bookings, and then then 1 million uh, hosts go and re-educate their guests, then this is how we make a stand. Because originally, well, not originally, my mission is to get a foot at the table at these OTAs. I want to get a foot at the table at the Booking Holidays Group. I want to get a foot at the table at Expedia Group. I want to get a foot at the table at the Airbnb. So we can have a say in the policies, so we can have a say in the commission, so we can have a say in how we get treated. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, I'm pumped to quickly tell you a little bit about StayFi, our sponsor for today's episode. StayFi makes it easy to collect data from and market to every single person staying in your short-term rental. StayFi lets you create a custom-branded Wi-Fi splash page, which is similar to what you might experience when logging onto the Wi-Fi network at your favorite coffee shop. This means that you can collect the name, the email address, and the phone number from every guest staying with you, not just the one who booked. Because who doesn't need to use the Wi-Fi, right? You can learn more about StayFi in about 15 minutes from now, or pause this episode, head on over to StayFi.com. Be sure to use the discount code BTS at checkout for 50% off your first three months. Oh, and if you haven't already listened to it, check out episode 47 of Behind the Stays, where I interview Arthur Kolker, who is the founder and CEO of StayFi. He's a smart dude. All right, on to the episode, but again, if you want to quickly snag the deal, head on over to stayfi.com and be sure to use the code BTS at checkout for 50% off your first three months. In just a moment, you'll meet Mark Simpson, the founder and CEO of Boostly, the leading direct booking website builder for STR and vacation rental hosts. Mark literally grew up immersed in the hospitality industry. His family lived on a 200-acre farm in Scarborough, England, where they ran a bed and breakfast and a farm-to-table restaurant for folks around the UK looking for a relaxing getaway from the city. After a career as a football, or as we call it here in the States, soccer coach, Mark wound up returning to the farm to help usher the family business into the 21st century. And while he couldn't have known it at the time, this move would wind up laying the groundwork for Mark to become one of the most trusted and inspirational voices in hospitality. Tune in to hear the story of how Mark recognized a massive opportunity to help STR owners and operators build and scale their businesses, reduce their reliance on OTAs like Airbnb, and increase their portfolio's revenue. In this episode, we talk about how Tim Ferriss' four-hour workweek book inspired Mark's entrepreneurial spirit, why he bought a billboard in Times Square with his face on it, and the words, I'm the guy Airbnb doesn't want you to know about, his content marketing playbook, which has garnered him tens of thousands of followers across LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, and his hot takes on the future of travel and hospitality. All right, without further ado, get ready to meet Mark.
All right, Mark, we are, we're live, dude. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. Thank you very much for having me. Excited for this. I'm excited, man. I, I guess I should say this evening because you are, what, five hours ahead? We're recording this at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So what, it's like 9 p.m. across the pond? Yeah, 9 p.m. across the pond in the UK. Uh, just got the kids to bed. So uh, yeah, perfect time to have a good a good uninterrupted conversation. Dude, me at 9 p.m. these days, like I'm, I'm pretty much like asleep and in bed. I've got like a five-month-old son and I'm just like, I'm so done by that time. So I'm, I'm just impressed. I'm just thankful that you're like bringing the energy uh, so late, so late at night. You know what? It's, it's taken a lot of practice. So I'm on child number four. Wow. Uh, amazing, dude. 10-year-old, ten, 7-year-old, ten 4-year-old, and an and a 8-month-old as we speak. So yeah, it's uh, a lot of years of practice, but this is like the, the perfect time for me to do a podcast. A lot of my podcasts now are um, with people over in the US and this 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock spot, I, you know, it's, it's four hours your time. Yes. Yeah. Minus another three hours for people over on the, you know, California away and whatnot. It's, it's, it's an ideal time. So this is where I get like a lot of my, um, content done, podcast done, interviews done. And I, yeah, I can get some real good work, but done in here. But as soon as it gets to 10, I have, I have built my system now is built. So when it gets to 10, yeah, I'll take a little CBD, a little melatonin and I will, I'll pass You're out. out yeah. Uh, dude, I love it. I love it. Well, we've got lots to talk about today. So I, I want to just, I want to dive in here. Uh, but I, was doing a little bit of research before we hopped on and, and just really just Googling your name and stalking you a little bit. And I learned a little bit about you that I, I hadn't known previously. And that was really sort of the, what I found out was how you got into hospitality, the short-term rental space to begin with. And it, it starts when you're, when you're a young child, actually, is like your first encounter with, uh, with the space. So can you just tell us that story? You were uh, living and, and, and you grew up in, in Scarborough, England, and that was like your first introduction to to hospitality. So what's what's the story there? Yeah, well, I'm um, one of these rare breeds that was pretty much born into hospitality. Um, some of it no one ever knows, actually. So I might as well tell you here for the first time. I, the, our business, our family business, was called the Granary. Okay, that is our that is our family business. But before that, my my parents. Uh, when I was born, we were in a farm just up the road, in the same village, but up the road. And they had their own house, you know, to be separated from from their parents, et cetera. And uh, they had a, a spare room on that farm. Okay. And they were they were doing that as a bed and breakfast for any local people who were coming and working in the area. So I was actually born into it before our, our business business was known. And no one else like knows that. So huh. I, I've always been in and around hospitality in some way, shape or form. Um, that was like one bedroom. And then when my grandfather passed away, we're talking, I'm four years old at this point, And I'll never forget uh, running from the top field as a four-year-old running from the house on the top field into the, the down the field across the road and yeah. onto the, what was about to be where we're going to be living and uh, getting absolutely told off by my grandma from like running from the top field as a four-year-old down <laughs> into the, into the courtyard. She's like, where's your mom and dad? And, and I will never forget that. And then when we moved into the bigger farm, this is a, this is the granary. This is the 200 acre farm. Okay. Um, there was a barn that was just used for corn at the time. And they, they decided to knock that down and to transform that barn into four bedrooms. Wow. And that was the like original sort of kickoff point for what became the granary. And, um, yeah, what was it like? You know, it, it was just the norm. So I was just so used to always having people in the house Yeah. to the point of where, you know, as I'm getting into later in, we have primary school, secondary school, 
sixth form university in the UK. So basically in primary school, uh, I got to a point where I was going for like play dates at friends house and yeah. I was looking for where the people were. It was so quiet. <laughs> you know, I grew up just being so used to having people around all the time and, you know, those strangers and people would come back and, you know, in the summer holidays, it was great because that's when families would come and stay. And it was always like a friend to play with, you know, yeah. you'd make like a, a friend and stuff. So yeah, it, it was, it was awesome. It was great as a child growing up, you know, being living on a farm as well, which was, uh, which was extra special. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, a lot, a lot of fun. Um, I, I can that picture was pretty much the eighties and the nineties. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can picture you just like walking around your friends' houses, like opening doors and being like, "Wait, uh, wait, Johnny, where, where do, where do the strangers sleep?" You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Like, yeah. no, no, no. I know that. I know that that's your brother, but no, where, where's like the random guy that's supposed to be here? <laughs> exactly. That is pretty much a reenactment of what it was like. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Okay, so, so you grow up and your your family has this business, and then. At what point in time, like you, you actually worked for the family business for a while, right? And and how how did that come to be? So um, I'm now late teenagers now, and I'm 17, 18, 19. And I decided that living in this village was like not for me. I wanted to get out and I wanted to to, to travel. I wanted to go and see the world. And yeah. my passion was was football, soccer, and uh, I really, really wanted to uh, become a football player. Wow. But, uh, one problem with that, I'm crap at playing football. So <laughs> I uh, fell into coaching and uh, I got the knack for coaching, youth development, uh, loved it, got my badges, got my qualifications. And then I got an amazing opportunity in 2002 to go to America. Okay. Um, and so I jumped on a plane and met, bearing in mind, this is six months after 9-11. Wow. So my mom is like, well, you want to go? Yeah, she's petrified. She's like, You're going to America. What are you doing? You're crazy. Yeah. Jumped on a plane, landed in um, Memphis, Tennessee. And, um, like I say, it was the best six months of my life. It was amazing. I, I got to, got to see. And so I witnessed so many amazing things. I got to travel all around like the Bible belt of America, got wow. to see all those States. Great time. And then, um, came back. And sorry, to the UK. you were, you were coaching, you were coaching soccer at that point. Coaching okay. soccer. Yeah. Basically I'd go to a club. Um, we'd go there, we'd work there for a couple of weeks and then we'd go to another club in another state, wow. basically just bounce around and just help the coaches get better, yeah. get the kids getting better. And, and, that, and that was it. And that, and that was me for six months. So you get a H1 visa, which gives you six months. Yeah. And then you come back to the UK and I was like, yeah, this is for me. And so I would get a, a six month job back in the UK. I, I was end up coaching soccer and then I would go back to America. And I did that until 2009. Wow. Wow. And then I came back to the UK in 2009 and I was like, I can't keep doing this. It's like seven years of doing this now. I've got to actually start to think about a career and whatnot. And then um, moved down to London, you know, just like what everybody does. I remember me and my friend, my best friend I've known since I was three or four years old. Uh, we were sat in a pub and we're like, right, what are we going to do? We're like, well, London, let's move to London. So we moved to London. And that's when I fell into my first sales and marketing job, which was for a company called Quipe. But huh. they were bought by Yelp. So Yelp's the, oh, yes. the more well-known brand. It's a review website. And I was doing sales. I was doing marketing. I was just uh, amassed and immersed in this whole world of Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, you know, reviews, Google, SEO, marketing, and all those things. And sort of like really for the first time, like talking to business owners. Yeah. And at the same time, my parents still had the business. They still had the granary. And they're about 20 years in now to this journey. And 25 years into this journey, sorry. And they were wanting me 
or one of my siblings. So I've got three siblings, okay. two brothers and a sister. They wanted one of us to come into the business and they're all younger than me. They weren't ready. They're all wanting to go off in their own paths. But, um, I had, uh, had, uh, met my wife, Laura, and we just had Alfie, our Alfie. And we thought it was a perfect transition to go to move back to the farm. A great, you know, a great chance for him to grow up on the farm, et cetera. Yeah. And we could get stuck into this. And that that's literally what we did. So that, that's how it happened. My role was predominantly, you know, um, marketing online. Yeah. The business at that point was all done offline. Everything, there was no website, you know, there was no OTAs. Uh, <laughs> everything was done on pen and paper. There was a lot of tipex, a lot of crossing out when cancellations or modifications happened. It was, you know, it was, it was, it was a big job, but it, you know, we, we, we got, we got, you know, we got stuck in. Wow. Wow. That dude, that is an, that is an epic story. So what, what was your, uh, what, I guess, what, what did you learn most during, during that season? Right. Because here you are, you're, you're, you're clearly good with people, you're coaching, you've got, you, you dabble in, in sales and marketing, you're working in, in startups, right. You guys get acquired by Yelp. Like you, you, you learn, you learn a thing or two about how to, how to get people to buy what you're selling. Right. Now you transitioned mm. that to to your family's own business. Was there was there something specifically about about hospitality that that was intriguing to you? Was it was it just the fact that you could apply skills that you had already learned to something that you had a little bit more of a stake in, or or I guess what what was most compelling to you during during that season? The reason why we we came back, I think it was first and foremost, wasn't even with a business hat on. It was yeah. very much a case of living on the farm is a fantastic opportunity for yeah. Alfie to uh, grow up on and, you know, it'd be a, you know, a, a, an amazing way of life. And, you know, um, to be on the farm would be perfect. And yeah. then on the back of that, the sort of, it's weird, isn't it? Like, it? It happens a lot in sport. So when a child is growing up, and, you know, they're maybe playing basketball, they're maybe doing American football, they're maybe doing soccer, they're maybe doing tennis or whatnot. It's amazing the skills that you can take from another sport and then you can move it into another. Mm, mm, so, for example, yeah. there's a lot of drills that you do in basketball that can really easily cross over into, into soccer and, and vice versa, right? And I see that in, in business as well. Like, you go the, the the tactics and the things that I learned, the skills that I learned in from doing the soccer coaching days, uh, because a big part of the soccer coaching days, um, when we weren't doing the coaching with the clubs, yeah, we had to sell days to join a camp. All right. And so you had to learn the art of promotion, you had to learn the art of marketing, you had to learn the art of persuasion and, yeah. and all those things. And yeah. so I took bits of that and I put it into the role at Yelp. Yeah. And then from Yelp, you know, I learned obviously the art of a structured sale. And I learned the art of, again, marketing, the power of social media online and whatnot. And I've just picked up like a magpie, picks up little things here and there from different nests. And then they put it into their chosen skill set, which was the granary at the time. Yeah. And there's definitely things that I have learned at the granary uh, that I have now brought into obviously what I'm doing now with uh, Boostly and, you know, and, and obviously um, everything that I teach and show as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's so well said. And I, I actually think like, you know, like the best, the best entrepreneurs out there are those that can, you know, take from their previous learnings and apply into new contexts, right? Like there's, there's, there's rarely anything that's actually new, right? Uh, everyone's yeah. had as, you know, no one's had like a truly original idea. It's really just who can kind of take pieces of, of their own experience and opportunity that they see and apply it in a slightly different way. And like that's, mm. that is really sort of like, I think the genesis of most great businesses, right? Is, is really 
harnessing something that you've learned in the past, being able to apply it to some opportunity that's just emerging. And that point of intersection, I think, is where is where greatness is developed. So it seems like you were able to sort of like harness harness that for yourself, which is which is really cool. All right, guys, I got to interrupt the episode real fast to tell you this fun story. So last year, I was staying at an All Belonco property. Amy from All Belonco is a friend of the podcast, and she welcomed my wife and I into one of her beautiful homes in Lynchburg, Virginia. So as I typically do, within 30 seconds of walking into an Airbnb, I flipped open the guest book to find the Wi-Fi info. And friends, what followed was unlike anything else I had experienced at a short-term rental. When I clicked the network, a beautifully customized landing page that was all Belongco branded popped up asking for my name, email address, and phone number. Similar to what you might expect when you log into Wi-Fi at your favorite coffee shop. So I entered my info and then was greeted with an equally beautiful thank you page that featured a collection of other All Belonco properties and was automatically emailed a discount code for a future stay at one of Amy's properties. Now, the marketer in me realized that this was probably Amy's way of ensuring she captured my contact info so she could communicate with me later, but I was happy to give it because the whole experience aligned with similar experiences I've had logging onto networks other than my own. Now, what I didn't realize at the time was that the platform powering this whole experience was StayFi. StayFi is the secret tool that the best short-term rental hosts use to capture guest contact info and start marketing to them with easy-to-use email and texting tools. StayFi enables you to collect the contact info of every single guest staying with you, not just the one who booked. For me, the whole experience of using StayFi really solidified All Belonco as a brand, as a business. It might sound silly, but had I not experienced their brand in this fashion, I never would have thought to look for their direct booking stuff. So if you're looking for a super easy, very affordable, and frictionless way to increase the robustness of your guest data and ultimately increase direct bookings, go watch the StayFi software demo at StayFi.com. And when you're ready, you can sign up for StayFi at StayFi.com and use the discount code at BTS for 50% off your first three months. And if you chat with anyone on the team there, be sure to tell them that Zach from Behind the Stays sent you their way. All right, folks, back to the episode. I want to hear the story of Boostly. So, like, where, uh, where, where does that story begin? Yeah. Okay. So, if we came into the family business properly, say 2011, that's when we first sort of moved back. I was doing bits like virtually, as okay. in to help them starting to get online. But 2011, 2012, when we when we properly moved back, and then um, for the first four years, there was no. Facebook really yeah. for me. I wasn't part of groups. I wasn't part of networks, masterminds, you know, was I wasn't learning. I wasn't like watching YouTube videos on, on how to get better in X, Y, and Z. It was literally just head down working. Yeah. And we were doing everything ourselves. So it was a real small team. It was literally myself, my mom, my dad, my wife. And then we had, you know, uh, people working in there because the, the granary wasn't just a bed and breakfast. It was way much more. So it was a bed and breakfast, but it was a tea rooms. So a cafe, a restaurant, huh. it was, it was, um, it was a, a wedding venue. We had free holiday cottages as well built onto it. Um, you know, it was very well known locally. Like if we went into town, if we went into Scarborough in the local town, yeah. And, you know, we said, oh, we're from the granary. Everybody knew who we were. Yeah. We would have yeah. thousands of people come visit us every single year. 
And so uh, we, had, we had a very, very small team, but we did everything our, ourselves in terms of, of it. And then it was the start of 2016. So I'm a big Liverpool uh, football fan. I'm a okay. big fan of the team. I went, started a year, I went to Liverpool and I went to go and stay at a friend's house. And he's very entrepreneurial. He had just started up an, an app idea in Liverpool. And we were chatting before the game, we're in the pub and he said, oh, have you... Um, you heard of this guy called Tim Ferriss? And I was like, nah, never heard of this guy called Tim Ferriss. And he was like, oh, uh, there's a, there's a podcast. He's like, you like your podcast. Cause before all of this, I used to do football podcasts. No way. Right? And this is like 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012. Wow. Me and some buddies would get together and we'd do uh, football podcasts. Like we talk about Liverpool, the games and whatnot. So I knew about the art of podcasting. Wow. And, that, and, and that's like, like really early. Like that's really early in podcasting. Really, really yeah. early. Yeah, really, really, that's really, That's like Joe really, Rogan, really like, like, you know, era <laughs> of podcasting. It was really early. So it was when it was, um, yeah, man, it was all recorded on Skype. Audio wow. was shocking, but, uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a ton, a ton of fun. And, um, so he knew I like podcasts and it was like, cause my full library of podcasts was football podcasts. And it okay. was like, well, you know, the drive is a three hour drive from one end of the country to the other. It's a three hour drive, which for somebody in America must sound amazing. So it's like the podcast is Tim first podcast of three hours. And he said, there's a podcast he's just done. Um, he's, uh, he's done it with, um, oh my gosh, the actor. Jamie, Jamie, what's the actor? Jamie Massive Fox, act- Jamie. Fox, Jamie Fox. Jamie yeah, Fox, Jamie Fox okay, yeah. His biggest, best episode that he's, uh, he's done is like in terms of downloads and the ones that people come back to, he's just done it. Um, go check it out. And on okay. the drive back, I consumed this podcast and I was like, wow, it was amazing. Huh. So I instantly checked out more about Tim Ferriss. I discovered his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, which instantly hit home to me, consumed that. And that really sort of was just, the launch pad. So I realized that what we were doing in our business is that we were doing everything ourselves. Mm. So instantly um, got in and I discovered the world of uh, basically Upwork, which used to be called Freelancer, discovered Freelancer. And I was like, wow, there's like people here that I can hire from anywhere in the world that can do this job for me. This job takes me hours to do and I can literally pay someone less than a 10, $10, $20 and they'll do it for me. Yeah. Wow. So I, I went down that rabbit hole. And I eventually got to the point where I was able to sack myself from the business more or less, you know, and it was, it was, it was crazy. And I was like, wow, we're still doing this. The business is running great. You know, everybody's happy, you know, all that, all good. And so with that extra time, what I started to do is I started to go to local tourism meetings. Okay. Uh, and I wanted to like meet other owners to sort yeah. of, you know, for the first ever time, pr- properly meet other hospitality owners. And we, we went to these meetings and basically it's like, um, it's like, a, a UK tourism meeting, but they have little pockets around the country. So Scarborough has one and then London would have one and wherever. So I went to the, to the Scarborough one and there's about hundred people in the room. Okay. And I'd never met them before. And I'd used to go once a quarter. So every three months would meet up. And one of the meetings I went to was about marketing. And the reason why it was about marketing is that people were upset about, you know, having to rely on booking.com. Booking.com mm. in the UK uh, was at one point the biggest platform. There was no Airbnb. Airbnb was like this little thing that was trying to get off, like this startup that's trying to get off, right? Yeah. In the UK, it was nothing. It was booking.com and it was the Expedia group. And they were annoyed and upset, you know, of all the reasons why people are annoyed, upset today, you know, high commission costs. Um, they, they don't treat us like partners, you know, the guests aren't the best, all the things that keep repeated even to 2023. Yeah. yeah. And so I just said, you know, like, um, well, what are you doing to bring your own bookings in? And people just looked at me with a blank face. And I was like, oh, and then I said, well, this is what we're doing. And I listed off like, cause we, at that point were about 70% direct. Wow. Wow. 30% like third party. And they were like the flipped, they were 
OTA 30% direct. And I was like, well, yeah, well, we've got, you know, we've got an email list, you know, a database. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they looked at me like, no. <laughs> I was like, well, well we've got social media. And I'm like, no. I was like, wow. <laughs> okay. So on the back of that, like a little, little thing went off. And I was like, well, um, let me see what help there is. And I was like, well, what is the council doing? What's the local tourism board doing? What's the UK tourism board doing? And there was yeah. no, I kept getting the same answer. There's no budget for funding. There's no budget for training. I was like, huh. So I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to start a Facebook group. So I started a Facebook group. I called it the hospitality community. And it's still going to this day. You know, people can join, uh, come and join it. And um, all I was doing every day, I said, right, I'm going to start this group. And I'm just going to post up helpful tips and advice in there every single day. Yeah. And if you want to join, join. If not, don't worry. And it was it was only geared towards Scarborough and Whitby, the Yorkshire coast. That's where we're from. Okay. And um, it was a success. Like people were joining and people were showing up and people were engaging and people were asking questions. And I was the, the tips that I was putting down that were, were implementing and getting good results. And then just like anything that works, the word spread. So I noticed the people joining the group were, were like coming in from, you know, London and Edinburgh and then people from Wales and Ireland. And then I noticed people from France and Germany and Spain would wow. join. And, and all of a sudden we had someone from America wanting to join in Australia. And before I knew it, we grew to a thousand people. Wow. Wow. In wow. the group. And, you know, my time that I had replaced uh, in the granary business I had replaced by just answering questions yeah. <laughs> consistently my DMS and stuff. And I was like, wow, I was like, there must be a better way than this. And so what I started to do was I started to document everything that I was doing, uh, for my family business. And what I started to do is I started to just do some free help for other businesses in the area. Cause I, I knew that it worked for me, Yeah, but I wanted to make sure that it worked for others as well. And so I was doing some bits for them and I was documenting what I was doing for them. And I started to record everything and I did it all and put everything into Dropbox. And then I started to join other Facebook groups for other business owners and entrepreneurs. There was, there was a couple that I joined and one was called Coffee with Dan in the, in, in the UK. And it was, it was built for UK business owners. Cause I was at this point, I was following Pat Flynn. I was yeah. listening to his podcast. Yeah, he's great. I was listening to Noah Kagan. <laughs> I was, uh, I was, um, I was really like, digging into like the American podcast, but I was like, all the advice that they gave and the, the, the things I, I can't relate to them because I'm in the UK. I want a UK group that I can join. And this Coffee with Dan group was, there. It was amazing. And so I joined that and I was like, uh, looking at all the questions that were coming in. And one of them was about a coaching course. Mm. So, oh, this is great. So I took the advice and I uploaded everything to a platform called Thinkific. I don't even know if it's going today. I, I loaded all of my training into there. And I put um, a little post up in the hospitality community, 1,000 members, and I just said, hey, I've just done this thing. I would love five guinea pigs, first five people to DM me, you get free access for life. Yeah. And it, I, I, uh, I said, this is, this is it. And five people instantly messaged me. They, they were my first ever guinea pigs. They gave me the best feedback ever about everything. It was like the stepping stones of what later became the Boostly Academy. Wow. Wow. And at this point, I was struggling with a name. And I was, I was settled. Um, on boost hospitality. I was like, boost, boost your bookings, boost everything, boost hospitality. Hospitality is what we're doing. And my wife walked past and just said, well, why do you call it Boostly? And that's how Boostly was formed. Just instantly locked it down, looked yeah. at a trademark. The trademark was available, looked at the domain, boostly.co.uk. That was, that was available. I didn't look at .com stupidly because I never thought that this would be a worldwide <laughs> brand and thing. I thought, you know what? It's just a little startup in England. Who knows what it'll be? Didn't have a clue. And then seven years later, here we are. It's wow. um, going strong. It's pivoted and changed loads over the years. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's the origin story. 
That's the origin story of Boosie. I, I, I was, I'm glad you told me about the, the origin of the name. Cause I was, I was curious. I, I figured I, I mean, boost, obviously boost your direct bookings, boost your bird. Like they, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a beautiful word, but I was curious about how, where the Lee came from, whether it was just like, a, Oh, let's, let's take a note out of Spotify's book. Right. And just, yeah. and, and like, like, I feel like 10, maybe six, seven years ago, uh, in, in startup culture, like everything was like Lee or like, you know, E or like IO, you know, and, and like it's, it's, it's changed a little bit now, but, um, dude, that, that's a fantastic story. Um, and, and, you know, I want to give just some context for the listeners too. So when I, when I think about you, right. Um, and we've, we actually just met for the first time in Barcelona a few, a few weeks ago, but I've followed you for, I don't know, like at least, at least a year, which, you know, is probably not as long as some of the people listening to this podcast have, have followed you, but, I, you, you, you are like everywhere. Like I, I see your content everywhere. And from my perspective, like I've always been like, Oh, this is like, I, I Mar Mark's Mark's sort of like this. Um, uh, and uh, I'm just gonna tell you how, how I have thought about you, right? Like you, you're, you're this kind of like provocative figure. You're, you're a uh, very anti slash aggressive towards the OTAs. You, I think you even had like a billboard at one point that said something like, I'm the guy that Airbnb doesn't want you to know about, right? So you're 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 an entertainer. You're you're a provocateur, you know. Um, but you're also like when, like when I met you in person, you were like way more down to earth and genuine than <laughs> I was expecting you to be. To be honest, oh, thank I, you. I was like, wow, like dang, like I was I was prepared to be super entertained, but like I'm gonna keep Mark <laughs> at like an arm's length <laughs> arm's length distance, right? And then I I walked away from our from our brief like chat, and I was just like, wow, like this is like he's this guy knows his stuff and he's he's just solid so so like Thank i i want to i want to hear about your your beef your gripe with with the otas um obviously you know boostly is i i is a primarily sort of a, a website builder you guys are are more than that now but you help uh hosts build their direct booking sites you also as you mentioned before you've got boostly academy which is like your content hub you guys have mm -hmm. an incredible following across uh you know social media networks especially instagram you've got a lot of great content there you're 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 just pumping out content everywhere you're helping educate the community for sure but your 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 core product is is selling a, a direct booking website for for um for hosts and and, and property managers and, and and other operators yeah um so I want, I want to understand your, your, your grip with, with OTAs. Cause from one perspective, right? Like OTAs do a lot of really, really great things for folks. And, you know, from another perspective, they, uh, as you like to say, right? Like they, um, if, if you build your business, there's a lot of liability on, on building your business exclusively anyways on, on online travel agents. So mm. what, talk to us a little bit about your, your gripe with OTAs. Talk to yeah. us a little bit about how you see this, this picture. Well, first and foremost, every good story needs a villain, right? And <laughs> and that's where it all boils down to. And I'm a big fan of Donald Miller and the Story Brand Eccentric mm. book. Yeah, but, great book. But we, you, you got to look at it at this, and it's and it's not so much that I I vilify them and I I go right. You need to go cold turkey and delete your Airbnb account, delete your Verbo account, delete your Booking.com account. I argue that going 100% direct bookings is as bad as going 100% Airbnb because you need to have multiple revenue streams coming into your business. But I'm the one to say, number one, you've got to make the OTAs work for you and not mm. the other way around. And the worry is, and the problem is, is that it is the other way around. Yeah. It's where I see so many people that are building their whole business, their whole land on Airbnb's land, Airbnb's world. Yeah. And, you know, I, 
I got a bit of flack for it, but it definitely got, it got the word spread and it got people thinking. But uh, I was at Nashville in 2022, June, 2022, literally nearly a year ago. I got up on stage. I, um, in front of a thousand people and I got everybody to stand up and I said, stay standing. If more than 80% of your bookings right now come in from Airbnb and you know, a fair few people were stood up and I said, congratulations. You do not have a business. You have a job and Brian Chesky's your boss. And, uh, <laughs> and then obviously it was met with, you know, it's very Americanized whoops and hollowers and all that and all that stuff. And then I, uh, I got everybody to sit down and then I, I, I threw sweets at everybody. So I said, listen, I'm a nice guy. So I, I threw sweets. I got some Worthy's originals I brought over from the UK and I, I gave sweets out. And I said, the problem is right here, right now is that you are all calling yourself an Airbnb business. You are branding you are promoting somebody else's business when talking about yourself. Yeah. It's, I said, do not Uber this industry. Be mm. proud of who you are, et cetera. And the reason why I do this and the reason why it is important is number one, I got to, I got to re-educate hosts, right? I could stand here on my soapbox and I could talk about direct bookings. Um, and I could talk to the Joe public and you know, people would pay attention, but I'd only make a slight difference, right? If I can educate, 1 million hosts, re-educate them on the power of direct bookings. And then then 1 million uh, hosts go and re-educate their guests. Then this is how we make a stand because originally, not originally, my mission is to get a foot at the table at these OTAs. I want to get a foot at the table at the Booking Holidays Group. I want to get a foot at the table at Expedia Group. I want to get a foot at the table at the Airbnb so we can have a say in the policies, so we can have a say in the commission, so we can have a say in how we get treated. Because the more that we go down this pattern, the, the stats are there. The, the, the stat is that by 2025, if we don't currently stop at the way we're going, that uh, 80% of all bookings will come from an OTA. That's number like red flag number one. Red flag yeah. number two is that Airbnb will control 60% of the market. Yeah. And the why that that's drastic is because in 2017, so what, five years ago, six, six years, years ago, ago yeah. they, they had less than 15% of the market. Yeah, yeah. So the growth has been exponential. Yeah. And the more that we rely on one channel, then the worse this will come. And if you want an example, then all you got to do is look over at another A and look at Amazon. Hmm. This book right here, yeah. for every uh, copy of this book, book yeah. the book that I play, but every copy that I sell, I have to give 66 cents of every dollar to Amazon, right? Wow. Yeah. I lose that. That's yeah. up 66% commission. Yeah. And at the moment we're complaining about 14%. You mm-hmm. know, some people are even complaining about 3% commission. Yeah. Right. Imagine paying 66% and they go, well, that's never going to happen. Well, think about this. If over 80% of your bookings are consistently coming from Airbnb, what is to stop them to turn around and going, you know what? Um, we don't think this relationship is fair. We're doing all of your work. We're doing every single bit of the don- donkey work of this. Let's move that little 14 up to 20. Yeah. Then let's move to 25, to 30, yeah. to 40, yeah. to 50, yeah. to 60. And it and it can happen. And that's the warning sign. So that's why I do this. Because if we if we can do this at mass, because if you want proof at, at how they're not bothered about this, Brian Chesky was interviewed on uh, the Sway podcast. And she, Cara, the host, asked him this question. She said, what do you think about an Airbnb host who wants to take their own diet bookings? He dismissed it. instantly because they don't think that we know how to market our business. They don't think that we care. 
So I'm here to say we do care. Yeah. And that's why I so I come out of this every every single day to do things in an infotainment style, which is you're right. You know, um, when people do meet me for the first time, they think that I'll be all singing, all dancing, blazing, like loud <laughs> as a loud as a as a megaphone and whatnot. Because it's the style that I come across online, it has to be infotainment, because otherwise you just blend in with everybody else. It's yeah. vanilla. Yeah. So I have to do things that get attention, i.e. a billboard in Times Square saying the guy at Airbnb doesn't want you to know about and all the other things that we we, we do, um, yeah. which has definitely got their attention. So the way that, you know, when when we met um, in Barcelona, two weeks prior to that, I was in, um, I was in London. Okay. And I was, I was at an industry event and um, all the big OTAs were there. And I found out about an event that a certain OTA that I can't name has got a file on me, which is interesting. Uh, but it means that we are getting their attention, which is part of the mission is, is, is on, yeah. um, which is, which, which is great. Yeah. Now we just need to ramp it up and keep going how we're going. Yeah. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. I, I, th- this is this is wonderful. I, I really appreciate taking the time to sort of map all this out and share it's it's a really compelling argument and and i you know i I can see i'm with you in in a lot of ways i i guess i'd love i'd love for you to unpack this a little bit more because right not everybody wants to build a a quote-unquote like business in in this space right In, in fact the vast majority of people that list their places on Airbnb on other OTAs, right? Have fewer than two or three properties, right? So I think it's, I just think that when these conversations are, are being had, it's incredibly important to distinguish between folks who are using this as a way to kind of make a little bit of beer money, right? Versus folks that know, Hey, I'm trying to build a hospitality brand. Like I'm trying to build a hospitality business, right? So I, I would imagine you're 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 primarily talking to folks who kind of fall in that in that latter camp. But like, can can you do you have any sort of data or, or can you talk even anecdotally a little bit about sort of like what is it what is that percentage of like professional property managers versus just you know hosts that have a couple properties yeah. that 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 quite frankly just don't need to do all of the work it takes to build these direct booking systems? Or are you of the mindset that no, everybody, even if you've got, hmm. you're renting out a room, right? Ne- next, uh, next to your room, everybody should have a direct booking system. Like where, how do you, how do you wrestle with all that? No, hundred percent. There's definitely a, there's definitely a line to be drawn and I'll definitely go to that line in a second, but to give you some numbers around 6.2 million listings on Airbnb, um, uh, 2.6 of that is one listing. 
Okay. So that's a, so a big a chunk. Third. Yeah. Yeah. Eighty-five percent of the whole of Airbnb is for properties between one and fifteen. So if you if you like property managers accept one to fifteen. So it's it's very much in in that lower. But for me, if you are what I like to call a um, hobbyist host. Yeah. Okay. So if you're host, doing yeah. this for mm. business, beer money, it's like you've got four plates that you're spinning. You've got a full time. You know, full-time job, this is just something on the side and it's just, it, it is what it is. You could easily switch it to a, a long-term rental if you wanted to, but you, you know, you've heard of a short-term rental and you want some of that short-term rental money. Yeah. That's cool. That's fine. You are not to pay attention to anything that I say. If my face comes on your screen, just turn it off. <laughs> go put, go put something else on. I'm, I'm more than happy. I'm giving you permission to do it. I'm not speaking to you. Yeah. I'm speaking to everybody else. Hmm. I'm speaking to those that are looking to do this as a career. You know, I, yeah. I, I categorically say to everybody, do not even talk to me until you've had at least six months in this industry. Yeah. I, yeah. If somebody comes to me for advice and they say, I'm just getting started, I'm going, I'm really sorry to stop you, but some amazing channels out there that, that, that can help you get going. But I am not that guy. I'm not yeah. that person. Yeah. You've got to speak to me when you felt the pain. Yeah. So you felt the pain of, of Airbnb, uh, maybe, you know, canceling a booking. You know, when it's bizarre, why they've done it. Maybe uh, you've had some real shitty guests come in and, uh, yeah. you know, or, or you've had that, that first experience of an, an air cover where a guest is like, you know, um, put a, a, a claim in against you and you know, it's not your fault until yeah. you've felt that pain. There's no point you talking to me because as soon as I start talking, your eyes glaze over because you're like, well, none of this has happened to me. Yeah. So I don't care. There's no pain point. Um, so yeah, I am not speaking to the hobbyist host. Absolutely not. And I don't you know. And that's absolutely cool. You know, I'm speaking to everybody else and there are a lot of us. There are a lot of them. So yeah. this is why no, we're... It's, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go, finish your thought. No, I was going to say, there, there, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of us and I'm finding more and more every day. So yeah, this, yeah. this is it. A um, uh, couple couple uh, follow-up things here. Number one, I love, I love the example that you just gave about sort of canceling a booking for no reason. It's funny, I, I got an email yesterday from one of uh, Spontaneous's host partners. And he, this, this gentleman wrote me, I don't know, it was maybe six or seven paragraphs about this uh, over Memorial Day weekend in the US, uh, Memorial Day weekend, mm. sort of the unofficial start to summer, right? We have a holiday, blah, blah, blah. It's a big, it's a big day for, 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 uh, for hosts. He has a couple of um, places out in, out, right in two hours outside of New York City, and it was going to be a big weekend. He was really excited, blah, blah, blah. Um, he got literally, I think the night before, so Thursday night, his booking was supposed to start Friday. He gets a, a notification from Airbnb saying not one, but two of his places had been canceled. It was two, it was a group of friends that were staying in, in two different places. Anyways, the, uh, apparently what he had done, he sent a video to the, the guest that was checking in about like how to check into the property, but the link he had copied and pasted, he had, he had sent a link to him giving his, he had sent a video to his daughter, right? Talking to her about like congratulating her on being like done with school for the summer or whatever. He sent that link to the guest. And apparently like he says like, I love you because again, he's, it's a video for his daughter. And he says like, I love you in, in the link, sends it to the guest. The guest gets like really creeped out for whatever reason and decides to cancel and, and sends a files a claim with Airbnb. Airbnb cancels the whole thing literally because he copied and pasted the wrong video link. And it was just like, it, he was like livid and just, and, and he was, this was like, I guess the, the weekend he was opening his property it was yeah. like a big deal. He was like counting on this, this revenue blah, blah, blah. Anyways, it was just such a, and I'm sure there are thousands and thousands yeah. of stories that are similar to that, but, but yeah, there's a real tangible example of, of what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And, and and the main thing that people come to me and say, well, why do I need direct bookings? And I say, well, just imagine, right? 
when you make a booking, say that you're going to go to the shop, right? And, yeah. and you make, and you, and, and you're in the supermarket and you're buying some and you're at the checkout and there's literally a person watching you every single move and yeah. making the decisions and go, hang on a second. You're not going to buy that. Let's just, let's just get rid of that. Yeah. Like, that is literally what it's like when you've got a booking that's coming through a third party because of the, you are literally, they are watching everything. Right. Yeah. And you know, these sort of things happen so much where yeah. if that was a direct booking, send that link, the guest goes, what? And then yeah. you go, oh, I'm so, so I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Just yeah. Pick up the yeah. phone. Listen, I'm so sorry. Absolutely. You know, my, my daughter's just graduated. I was just sending them a message. This is your yeah, link. Yeah, this is the actual video. <laughs> this is your link that you need. I would also go back and say to that guest, hey, you need some automations and things and structures in place, yada, yada, yada. But um, that's just his learning curve. You know, obviously yeah. if he's brand new, he's learning and stuff. He's going to learn the lesson the hard way on that one. But yeah, this is the problem because they, you know, you're literally running your whole business with somebody else looking in over you who can just literally, yeah. I mean, it's not even people now that are making decisions. It is yeah, yeah, yeah. automation and bots that are doing yeah. it. So yeah, even more, even more like fuel to the, to the book direct fire there. Yeah. The other, the other thing that I, I don't know that I've tr thought too much about, but you're well, another caveat that you gave a couple minutes ago, you said, you know, uh, if you've got a place that you can kind of easily turn into a longer term rental, and what was interesting about that as sort of a caveat for if, if you fall into that category, Hey, you know, maybe, maybe you can ignore all the vice, all the, all the vice, all the advice that Mark gives. Um, but what's super interesting, right. Is like, and this is huge in the U S I'm sure this is also sort of happening in the UK, but this whole idea of like building these like unique stays is like taking off. Right. Yeah. And these unique stays, right. I mean, they're, they're incredible. They're incredibly well-designed. They're, they're, per, you know, purpose built for vacation rentals. Um, but you know, like it's kind of, it's, kind of hard to turn a one bedroom tree house, right. That rents for $525 a night into a longer term rental, right? Like it's just, it, it doesn't, it just doesn't really make sense. Right. And so, no. so to your point too, if you are, even if you do have a smaller portfolio, one, two, three homes, right. And all those homes are, are unique, right. <laughs> you are, you are quite beholden to any sort of change of policy that Airbnb might have. And given the amount of money that hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, that many people have invested in creating these structures, creating these really unique experiences, that is an incredible amount of risk, right? Even even if your portfolio isn't isn't massive, right? If you can't easily turn yeah. something into a longer term rental, you you sort of are carrying just as much risk, which which is something that I don't I don't feel like um, is is talked about enough. So I, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Yeah, and and plus as well. Uh, number one, you would say that if you are going to go all in on a on a shoe or a tree house, you know, yeah. all these cool designs that you do see, these these containers are taking off so much at the moment. You would like to think that they are not going to be the hobbyist host. They are the ones that are going, yeah, this, you know, they've done the due diligence. Yeah. They've done from proper research into it. And, you know, Airbnb is turning into an oh my God stage. You know, it's like yeah. one of those Instagrammable, you know, uh, Airbnb, that, that is literally what it, what it is turning into. Like most of the ones that stand out are the ones that are like the wow. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, which ones can out, in, out Instagrammable each, each other. Yeah. And you're right. What if the, you know, everything goes in cycles, right? Yeah. W what happens if, um, all of a sudden people don't want to be staying in a floating tree house on a, on a, on a river, <laughs> you know, with mozzies flying around and stuff. And they just want to go back to, a you know, it comes, every, I mean, everything in hospitality boils down to the same thing. How comfy is your bed? How good yeah. is that night's sleep? That is, yeah. that is literally what this industry is bred on is, you know, 
how good are you sleep? Because that is what yeah. we're selling, a good night's sleep. Everything else is just a razzmatazz that goes with it. You know, it's like the, <laughs> uh, everything else is, is is purely razzmatazz that you can build around it, but that's how it, how it, how it, how it boils down to. And, you know, um, hospitality is being hospitable. And mm. I say to everybody, if you don't like dealing with people, do not come into this industry or yeah. <laughs> be prepared to spend a lot of your money hiring a COO and, and an MD will run this business for you, you know, yeah. or just find a management. And there's another thing as well. So all of this that I'm talking about, yeah. and this is what I say when I go on podcasts where, you know, for example, the bigger pockets crowd, there's a lot of people in there who are tuning in, who will not manage the property. They will find a management company. Yep. So everything that I talked to, and I, I, I told a lot of people about this book and I said, oh, I'm not going to be running my property. Insert companies for me. I said, great buy this book and give it to the company or buy this book, read it. And then yeah. when you are interviewing a property management company, you can ask them about their marketing and how they're going to promote the business. Because when you join a property management company, you join amongst other people. And it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do to promote a business? What's how big is your network and stuff? So it works in multifaceted ways. Even if you're not going to adopt it into your own business, if you are somebody that is choosing the vertical of real estate to yeah. fund your wealth, and you are jumping into this gold mine that is short-term rentals that everybody keeps talking about, you've got to know, even if you're not going to run it, who are the yeah. people who are going to be running it and make sure that they know what they're doing when it comes to sales and marketing because everything boils down to sales and marketing at the end of the day. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like that's, I'm glad you brought this up too because I think that that's, that's the kind of the missing component that I see here, whereas like it's great to talk about the power and the importance of direct bookings. I don't think anyone would like disagree with sort of your your core mantra and your core mission. I think one of the biggest challenges, quite frankly, is that people, I'm just going to take my, my own network, right, of people that love to travel, right, and and love to stay in cool boutique hotels. Like, my, my friends don't like to stay at, like, the Hilton. Like, they'd like to try to find, like, cool places to stay, right? And mm. a lot of those cool places they happen to find on Airbnb. The idea of like a direct booking site, like, and even like that that concept, it, it literally just doesn't cross people's mind, right? Like mm -hmm. to the average traveler, you just, and may, maybe like my great grandfather who like would call like, you know, Sally's vacation rentals when he would go to Myrtle Beach every week, like maybe he knew about, oh, you called this number and you you work directly with, you know, Sally who owns these 10, you know, beach homes or whatever mm -hmm. it is. But, but, but my parents, even my grandparents, like, Anytime that they're traveling to a quote unquote vacation rental, they're they're calling it an Airbnb, right? Like Airbnb has just proliferated the the you know the market so much, and, and which is which is very impressive. But but all that is to say is that the idea of even like looking and realizing that there are like businesses that actually own these homes that you're discovering on Airbnb, like that is just so it, it's just not popular. Like people don't understand yeah. it. So like, what are your thoughts and what are your ideas? Like how, how does the industry do a better job at educating prospective guests that, Hey, you actually can book direct. And yeah. the, the problem is a lot of these websites look like crap. Like yeah. a lot of these, a lot, or, or like, you know, that the, they're just the, even the, even a lot of the PMSs, like I, I love them, but a lot of them are really f are full of friction and it's hard mm -hmm. to check out. Right. And so I don't know from your perspective, Mark, like how do, how do we solve for that problem? Cause if we could solve for that problem, yeah. I think way more people would be on board with everything that you're preaching. Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. 
Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest, and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form, and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. Well, this is exactly why I started this. So let's boil it down to the two things. So number one is education, right? Yeah. If I can educate 1 million hosts the power of this and why they should promote the book direct and then they can educate their guests, then it becomes a whole lot easier. So the first thing of that, Airbnb is obviously where your friends like to go. Yeah. There's a couple of really key bits of real estate on your Airbnb listing that so many people don't tap into, but can actually promote your business and your brand and your direct booking site. So the first bit is the description of your listing. At the start of your description on Airbnb, you basically say in nice bold letters, you know, you can use those cool uh, font websites that change the font to say, this is X property part of X brand based in wherever. Instantly. First thing. It's the first thing that they read. Number one. Number two is in your profile. So your Airbnb profile. Hi, my name is Mark. I'm the owner of the granary in Scarborough. Instantly. So you instantly state there and then that you are not a hobbyist host. You are a professional business. You know what you're doing, right? Hmm. The third place is your pictures. Okay. Now you can't just whack a a watermark on your images on Airbnb anymore. That used to be standard practice, but now they've got bots that will get rid of them. But instead when you're structuring and when you're laying out your professional photo shoots, what you can position in those professional photo shoots are branded cushions. For example, Hmm. with your brand on it, your website, Instagram handle on the, when you take a picture of the dining room table, you know, that's overlooking whatever you can have some very clear things to say the branding brand another yeah. to the billboard effect, which, which yeah. comes into it. So if you can do that and if we can start to do that consistently, then people will then go, Oh, let me find out more. Especially when you put best rates, when you check online, you know, best yeah. rates, when you book direct, you know, check out our online reviews is my favorite one. Check out our online reviews. They're really good. Or, you know, uh, go check out Instagram. So you can't put www.instagram.com because instantly Airbnb will flag that. But if you just put, check out our IG yeah. and then the at symbol and then whatever it is, again, people will go off and the stats are showing that they are clicking around. Yeah, they yeah. do click around that, you know, most people now are not just booking the first thing that they see. I think this is like a, like a, like an after effect of, of, of COVID because yeah. when people were booking on COVID or during COVID times, they were doing a lot of research for a number of reasons, local restrictions or whatever that could be, or like if, if I'm going to sink a couple of grand into a vacation, am I actually going to be able to go? What's the ramifications yeah. and stuff? So because of that, people are a, a lot more, um, reviewy. They're, yeah. they're a lot more research than what they were doing prior to, to uh, 2020. So um, they are clicking around and you've got to make sure that if someone's going to Google your business name and the location that you're at, your website needs to come up. This is yeah. part two of why Boosted does what we do. I agree. Every single PMS website, and I'm not calling any individual ones out, they're all crap. And you speak to them and they admit they're crap because they're yeah. just glorified landing pages. The only reason they offer them is because one PMS started offering it and it goes, oh shit, we've got to play catch up here. 
They offered yeah. a free website <laughs> and it is literally a glorified free landing page. The, the booking experience is awful. Um, it's, it's so uh, restricted. You can't do anything with it. Um, all you can amend is the text. And even that is, it looks awful. So this is why yeah. we came and do what we do. Yeah. So we were doing our training in two, it was 2019. We started doing websites. We're doing our training now for about three years. And the biggest clawback, the biggest comeback, the biggest objection was Mark. I love this, but I can't make the change. Why? Yeah. My website design has disappeared. My website designer won't do it. I can't do it myself. I can't get access to it. X, Y, and Z. So I just thought, right. And I, I started to recommend website designers, but I quickly realized they were crap as well. Yeah. And so I thought, you know what, if, if not, and just what, why I started the Facebook group, if no one else is doing it, sod it, I'll do it. And we yeah. started doing it and we, we, we started to put it together. It started to work and, you know, um, we very quickly, um, amended a few things and sorted a few things out. And then what I realized in 2021 is about the power of API integration. So mm, mm-hmm. the big, big, big property management software providers out there. Uh, the reason why the booking engine and the booking experience is so crap is that when you get to most booking processes and you click to book now, it takes you a totally separate domain. It goes to a totally separate page. And if for a user, you're like, well, what's going on here? You instantly yeah. lose the trust. It takes like 12 seconds to load. Yeah. It takes 12 <laughs> seconds to load. And it's just like, wow. So what we did was, and again, we, uh, I've, I've always gone by this motto of never asking for permission, but begging for forgiveness. Mm. And so what we did is we basically ripped the system and we built the, the connections, the integrations into four of the PMSs. And um, by this point, we had power in numbers. So we had about 500 clients at this point. Okay. And so these 500 clients were obviously with these PMSs. So we picked the top four, we built the connections, and then we, we, we sent them a message. I sent a message to each of them on LinkedIn, the CEOs and on emails and said, look what we did. And they're like, oh, wow, this is impressive. Let's have a chat. So then we had the <laughs> chat and then we did full integration and then four quickly turned into eight, eight turned into 12 and then 17, now it's 17. We're going to be moving to 20 very soon. And we're connected, wow. you know, with Guesty, HostAway, Hostfully, Hospitable, you uh, net uplisting, you name it, you know, it just keeps rolling out. We, we are connected to them. And what that means is that we have got a seamless booking process. So from begin, so from beginning to booking, it's easy as, it's easy as booking on Airbnb. Wow. And that's why we did that. So we were, we're tackling it from both ends. Number one, educating the host because yeah. there's no other website designer like what we do. Um, I, th- I think we're moving away from doing website design agency. We're moving more to a SaaS product now, personally, because we've got you know we're nearly two thousand customers and, wow. and what we're doing and what we're creating. So it's like we we we've basically come in and tackled both sides of it. It's like right, educating the host. We are giving you all the training. We show you what to do. We give you tools. We give you templates. We give you all of that, and then you get the website as well. So it's like that yeah. that one stop shop to, to to diet booking. So there's no host will ever come to me and complain. I say, oh, a host doesn't, you know, a guest doesn't know how to book. How do I increase the diet bookings? And then that is literally why I wrote this as well, because then it's like the top 101 tips made it into a book. So yeah. even if somebody doesn't have, you know, say it's $1,800 to join Boostly for, as a starter level, right? Even okay. though we have payment plans, I totally understand budgets and whatnot. So it goes, right, this costs 99 cents on, uh, on Amazon. Go grab that. 99 then, cents for a book. That's incredible, man. So, yeah. uh, and this, this is super helpful context. And like, you know, I, I, I it's what's so clear to me, Mark, is that you've, you've like, you know, put in the hours, you've done the work, you've realized the problem and you're like aggressively tackling it. And I think that that's, I, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful that we have people like you that are, that are like championing this cause. Cause it is, it is quite important. And I, I, the couple kind of quick last things I wanted to to mention here. One is just, 
I, I really, I, I really appreciate you calling out like where on an Airbnb description, you can kind of signal to the guests to kind of go and do research. I also agree with you, like my own behavior in searching, right, has has changed. And anytime a host, and this is actually why I think it's really important to name your actual listing, because I think not, a, not enough people name the listing. And obviously, maybe the headline, if you're on an OTA, maybe you want to throw in some keywords that people like might be searching for, great. Yeah. But in that description, as you just so clearly said, even if it's not your business name, at least have the name of the property, right? And be sure mm. that you've named the property because the first thing that I do now is I go, I copy paste that that first sentence in the description, I throw it into Google yeah. and I see what comes up, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I do think more and more people are gonna get savvy and start doing that. The second thing is I really think from my perspective, you know, the the it's still the, the, the listings that that, the listings that should actually have their own uh, direct booking site that should have their own Instagram handle are the listings that are serious about building like a brand. Like if you're not really serious about, about building a brand, I just, I, I think the, the amount of work required to do all of this, let alone the cost, right? So you get a Boosley website, right? Which isn't that expensive, but you get a Boosley website then you have to get a property management uh, system. Then you have to just do the work of actually like marketing and creating content, right? And, and updating your Instagram and all that stuff takes a ton of time, right? It's, it's actually very difficult for most people to just automate all of that. And so mm. I think that like, object like if your goal is to build a hospitality brand you've got to do all these things but realize that you can't do them all at once and that's okay like crawl yeah. walk you know b before you can run and i think what, what i hear you saying which i think excites me the most is the fact that look if, if you want to do this right if you want to compete if you if you if your dream is to one day leave that day job so that you can go do this this brand full time even if that isn't just more properties right like i think that there's sometimes this narrative out there that if you want to scale, right? If you want to, if you want, if you want to be able to really do this, you have to just, it's all about like number of doors, right? Mm. And at the, at the end of the day, that's, that's one strategy, right? Mm. Yeah, I know, I know some of the most successful people in this space that have six to 10 units, right? Yeah. But they've built such an incredible brand around those units that that's all they really need, right? Yeah. So you don't always just need to grow for the sake of, of, of growth and, and the sake of quantity of listings. But if you are serious about doing this, you have to take the things that you're saying seriously and it and if you don't right you might get to a point where it's just like it's now too hard right like it, it's too hard when it's too hard to kind of scale back once you've gotten once you've gotten used to sort of like the 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 i don't know the dopamine hits the, that the otas bring um so i i would just i would just encourage folks to really consider the big question is do i really want to do this do i really want to build a hospitality business here or am i really okay with my one cool treehouse kind of being on uh, on Airbnb and like getting getting that you know little uh, uh, monthly monthly check each month and that's and that's what I'm satisfied with and I think that that's the ultimate question that people need to wrestle with before they decide whether or not direct bookings are for them. Yeah, I just want to go on top of that. Is that I think it's going to get to a case in point very soon. Even if you're just focused on Airbnb and you yeah. you're very reactive, so reactive where you wait for the ping and you wait for the check, wait for the ping for the booking to come in and you wait for the check to arrive. It's going to come a case and point in time where you're going to start to notice that your bookings will slow down hmm. because even if you are just going to be on one platform and you are not proactively promoting your Airbnb listing, you are going to fall behind here because the algorithm yeah. is very quickly changing. Brian hmm. Chesky was um, part of a forum. I believe it was the Skift forum where he was interviewed about AI. Everybody's talking yeah. about AI at the moment. Now, booking.com, have been doing machine learning for years. The booking.com yeah. experience that you would get 
Zach will be different to mine because it is recording millions and millions of touch points every single day. And it means that it tailors where the buttons are for each individual user, depending on your likes and where you are in the world, et cetera. And Airbnb are also starting to do this now. And the biggest like tipping point to say, Hey, this is actually happening. Look at the recent summer release, the profiles. Now you can add in your favorite movie, your favorite quote. Airbnb (laughs) is becoming Tinder, right? And the reason why is because the search results is going to differ massively from you to I to somebody else, right? If your friends are seeing it. And so anybody that comes on any video you see on YouTube, this is how you rank number one on Airbnb. It's up. It's out of date already because it is, it is changing. And with that being said, if you're trying to like rank number one on Airbnb, it's going to, it's going to massively change. So number one, you've got to really start to do what every other business owner has to do and promote their business, right? We are very lucky in this industry. And I've said this for a while. It's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because you could start up a, uh, get a property, take a couple of pictures, throw yeah. it up on Airbnb. And, you know, in, let's just say from 2019 to 2000, say 21, you could get a booking. Depends on the yeah. location, depends on time of the year and all that stuff. But you could pretty much be guaranteed revenue. And it's a blessing yeah. because when you're uh, starting anything, and you've got all these plates spinning. If you can just put the market in one and just go, that's fine. That's yeah. sorted. Then you're covered. But it's a curse because, because it is so easy, you become lazy. Yeah. And then you only <laughs> notice it when the bookings stop. And we're getting to that point now because so many people have jumped in on this STR bandwagon because it's yeah. been like the big shiny penny, right? Yeah. And it's massively, massively saturated. You've got people complaining about being massively saturated, but the only ones that are complaining are the ones that aren't actively promoting, proactively promoting their business. So I've, yeah. I've got an argument for everybody to say, even if you're just going to do this as a, as a whatever, you're not going to have a property management company, you're going to do it yourself. And it's just going to be on Airbnb. You've got to start being proactive. You've got to start doing these tactics, even if you're not going yeah. to go down the route of direct booking. And the problem is, is that everybody falls back on overwhelm. And when you get overwhelmed, you don't do it. So like yeah. when you, you know, you first want to start getting back and going into the gym, you get yeah. in there, you go, oh my God, I've got to do all of this. You just go, ah, saw this, I'll walk out and you go get like a big, big Mac or five guys <laughs> or whatever, right? But there's a term that I've created and I want everybody to take this away and it's called doing the dishes. And this mm-hmm. is like what you should be remembering every single time, hashtag do the dishes. And so the best way to describe this is when you, you know, you, uh, you wake up in the morning, you come downstairs, you have a coffee, have your cereal, you put your bowls in the sink and you walk away. You come back at lunch and, you know, you make a sandwich, have another drink and you just throw it in the sink and then you walk away. You are dinner. You come back, you make your dinner, get all the pots and pans, you drink, you throw it in the sink. If you come back later on in the day to tackle those dishes, it's massive. So overwhelming, you just walk away and you leave it. But instead, if you tackle them at breakfast, so you have your coffee, have your cereal, you do the dishes as you go. You come back at lunch and you clean the pots as you go and you come back at dinner, clean the pots as you go. It's, it's easily manageable chunks. So mm. all it is, and this is what I want everybody to do, 30 minutes of new business every single day. Get 1% mm. better every single day and you consistently do it. 30 minutes, that's all. You know, if you look at your phone right now, if you went into settings and screen time and you go and look at how much time you scroll aimlessly on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, I guarantee it's more than 30 minutes. So put some screen blockers on your phone and turn that into new business time. If you consistently do it for 50, 52 weeks, 365 days, your business will be a lot better for it. Yeah. Ah, 
so well said, dude. Uh, wonderful framework. I that that spoke uh, that speaks to me. I um I I I need to start doing that, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna start doing the dishes. This is this is wonderful, dude. Thank you so much for your time. Um, if folks want to learn more about Boostly, and if you are interested in Boostly website, and or you just want to follow Mark on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, I'll have all the links to website, his website, his social handles, all that fun stuff in the show notes below. So you can just kind of scroll on down. Again, at the very least, give give Mark a follow because he's got great content. Him and the team there are just are consistently pumping out stuff that's at least worth consuming. Um, it, it's 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 more valuable than probably a lot of the other content that you're consuming. So if you are still going to be on Instagram and TikTok, at least uh, yeah, at least yeah. follow Mark so you can consume good content. But um, appreciate your time, man. This is uh this has been a pleasure. Thanks so much for what you're doing for the industry. I think it's I think it's really noteworthy, and I'm excited to to stay connected and and see what you continue to do. No, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I've really, really enjoyed it. It's been nice chatting. Hey, friends. Hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last-minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at Spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone. See you next time.